Hello and welcome back to the podcast, Love, Life and Loss. It's been a little while since we've released a new one, so please do take a listen and I hope you do enjoy it. This week you will hear Marlin's story. Listen as she talks about the complications she experienced in her first pregnancy whilst in an abusive relationship. Marlon takes us on her journey from the loss of her daughter to the birth of her rainbow baby and what that was like for her. We hear about her struggles and how she's overcome them. I think when I lost my little girl, I can't see, so I was in a really abusive relationship at the time. So that's why it's all a bit of a blur. The relationship I was in was not stable at all. It was mentally, physically abusive. I was drained. My pregnancy was horrible. There was a mother's instinct, right, where you know something isn't right. But I had to pretend that I was okay. I remember we, we turned back home and he was there and his two kids he went and just hugged them in front of me when he returned home. Oh. And I remember just standing there and I just cried and I took the car and I just drove to my friend and just drank a load of wine. And there were up and down days, days where I'd go out, um, party, um, drink a load of alcohol, and then I would take the cocodamol and I had to go to, into hospital, get my stomach like pumped because I tried to kill myself. That was the most painful thing because I didn't actually get to grieve or even think about losing my child. He was in the way. So in a weird way, what I what I do when I had to remind myself why she had passed was, Marlon, she saved you from being with him. Welcome to the podcast, Love, Life and Loss. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this today, Marlene. So the way I do this is I tend to ask people to introduce themselves. I know normally other people would introduce you, but I like it to be your story. So I'd like you to introduce yourself how you want to be represented. So would you, would you like to introduce oh, yourself? Oh gosh, pressure. Okay, so my name is Marlene Anderson. Um, I'm a motivational speaker um, and I advocate for mental health, women's rights, um, body image, baby loss, grief, lots of different things that I campaign for and try and raise awareness on. So, yeah, I never know what to introduce myself as. I have a book as well. I'm an author. Um, yeah, and I was on Love Island about 50 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you don't, you've done quite a lot and you do you do um, put a lot of stuff out on Instagram, which is what drew me to you in the first place, to be honest, because there's a lot of things that I do agree with what you're saying. And I just think it's it's amazing that you can put it out there because not everybody has the strength to do that, especially, you know, given what you've gone through as well and the things you're talking about. So, yeah, I think it's great. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, um, this is a podcast. We It's called Love, Life and Loss. So we talk about love, life and loss. The first series is to talk about baby loss because I know that you've got your own story to tell. So um, what I do normally ask is if you can tell us your story, but if you start from the beginning and that, however that looks to you so yeah so gosh it feels like such a long time ago although grief is so sporadic right so mm. when you get little reminders here and there I think when I lost my little girl Concy, so I was in a really abusive relationship at the time 
So that's why it's all a bit of a blur. And my mum had died six months before I found out that I was pregnant. And um, it came as a shock because you want your mum to be there. But then I was like, oh, my gosh, it must be a sign I'm having a baby. So, so I called her Concy, same as my mum's name. And I thought, you know, um, I might have lost my mum, but now I've got a new life coming into the world. And the relationship I was in was not stable at all. It was mentally, physically abusive. I was drained. My pregnancy was horrible. Um, it was very controlling and I was pushed about a lot whilst I was pregnant. And I just remember being on high alert and stressed. And it came to the to the point where I was how many months in? Seven months into my pregnancy, and baby Concy just start stopped moving in my stomach. And I thought I was like tripping out because I'd never been pregnant before. I didn't know what to to expect. You know, I was Googling how do I make the baby move? And I was drinking water, jumping, and she just didn't move. But there was a mother's instinct, right? Where you know something isn't right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, Tom, you need to take me to the hospital now. And he was like, oh, but I've, I've got, to. He, he had something to do. He was going biking off road or something in the morning. He was like, oh, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's all in your head. And I was like, no, you got to take me. And he was actually so pissed off that he had to take me to the hospital. Oh. And anyway, I went, lo and behold, they did test, checked her heartbeat and her heartbeat was irregular. And they were like, we need to perform an emergency C-section right now and get her out right now. And I was like, what the heck is happening? And from that minute on, it was just a confusion. Um, I was in Bedford Hospital. They didn't know what to do with Conti when she was born. So I got moved to Luton Dunstable Hospital. They didn't know what to do. Um, they even asked me if Tom was related to me because I'd never known anything of what was going on with the baby. And I was like, absolutely not. Um, and they were like, right, we're going to have to transfer you to Great Ormond Street. So I remember I've just had a C-section, can't even walk. But I had to pretend that I was okay, like to be able to go with her. Yeah. yeah. So I remember just getting up, taking a load of painkillers and being like, no, like, my, that's my child, right? But the worst thing was seeing her in the incubator for the first time because they took her away from me as soon as she was uh, born. I didn't even see her or meet her. How long was it until you got to meet her? About eight hours or something from from the minute I gave birth. That must and have been scary. I was so hours. excited, but I was like, what am I expecting to see? And she got transferred in an ambulance. I went with her and I stayed in parents' accommodation at Great Ormond Street for a month with um, my partner at the time. And it was just a whirlwind, whirlwind of emotions. Um, one day she was good, one day she wasn't. She was on so, so many meds. She looked so different towards the end of it anyway. Puffy, oh, couldn't okay. even open up her eyes. I think she opened up her eyes once for me just before she passed away. And that was like magical. And... Um, and it wasn't even a nice time living with him in that parents' accommodation because he was throwing me about and stuff there as well. And the nurses actually saw, so they had they called in, um, oh, what are they called? There's like a group of people at the hospital that liaison, family liaison unit. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were like concerned. And I, I covered up for him and I was like, no, 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 it's fine. He I said something like he has autism or something. And uh, you, know, you know what you do and you just, yeah. and I, looking back, I'm thinking, wow, you know, and... And then, yeah, I'm just going to cut it quick because it, it was literally a blur. She, the day she passed away, there was something in me. I went to visit her. Um, I'd gone back down to Bedford for like a few hours and there was something telling me I need to quickly go back. So I drove back up. Tom didn't want to come. He was like, oh, I'll, um, he was with his other kids and he was like, oh, I'll come tomorrow or something. He just stopped, stopped caring towards the end. It was really odd. And oh. I went on my own and I was there when she died on my own. They called him. He turned up four hours later. My best friend 
turned up and I remember just screaming like it was like a really weird painful cry it was like it was like a I was screaming but I didn't know what for who to yeah and that pain of loss and I remember I remember collecting a load of cocodamol for my c-section I said if she dies I'm just going to take it all because what's the fucking point like and um that's all I had in my head I was like as soon as I get time on my own I'm taking it all Literally, I, I, I don't know. I felt so out of it. I don't know what what to do. Wow. One minute I'm in parents' accommodation, the baby's alive. The next minute I'm packing all my stuff up and returning home. But where's my home and where's my child? Where's my mom? Where's my family? And I remember we, we turned back home and he was there and his two kids, he went and just hugged them in front of me when he returned home. Oh. And I remember just standing there and I just cried and I took the car and I just drove to my friends and just drank a load of wine. Um. And that was literally what it was for the month after. I just drank wine every day and night, numbed the pain. And I, I remember waking up and thinking, I can't live like this anymore. I either could have do something about it or you, what, you're going to kill yourself with wine. And there were up and down days, days where I'd go out, um, party, um, drink a load of alcohol. And then I would take the cocodamol and I had to go to, into hospital, get my stomach like pumped because I tried to kill myself <laughs> and it's, it's weird now because he was, he was making my life hell even after she passed away. Even at Were the you funeral. still together at this point? Sort of. Yes. But I couldn't get rid of him. It was like a nasty rash. Like yeah. he would always come back. He'd be blocked and he, he turned up at my different apartments, smashed doors in um, stalked me. It was mental. And then when he broke my hand, I, I, that was it. It was the police got involved and then, I got um got him sentenced. It wasn't fucking long at all for what he did to me, but it was something and I got a bit of justice. But that was the most painful thing because I didn't actually get to grieve or even think about losing my child. He was in the way. He was he literally was awful. So yeah, and I think all the suppressed feelings of losing my child when I was pregnant with Zaya, my little girl now, I was just fell into a dark hole. I had prenatal and postnatal depression and all these feelings of losing my child came up in that which is why my relationship with her dad kind of went crap I was um in a dark place it wasn't fair on him as well and um and I just it was horror it was a it wasn't a nice pregnancy of Zaya even though it was nice physically and you yeah. know healthy and beautiful my mind my mental health was so so crap awful yeah which is and, understandable though yeah it's it, like you said it resurfaces it's a massive trigger isn't it and yeah, then you've got you don't have that safety net anymore to say, to think, no, that won't happen to me. I'll be fine. Like anything's possible. Anything can happen, can't it? So. Yeah, that, that was it. But now I've got my little healthy girl who's an absolute nutter. <laughs> She's currently asleep. And um, I think it's just taking each day as it comes with stuff like that, because I managed when, after she was born, it was hard. I was going for another breakup with her dad, but we co-parented well, as well as you can when you're kind of heartbroken, I guess. Yeah. And um, she's got two loving parents and, and she's just given me the most amount of joy ever. Like, so surreal. And I've got I've gone out of that dark place. I went and did my fitness and healthy eating and meditation and whatever makes me feel good. And, yeah. So. No, that's really, that's such a, it's, it's very inspirational because I don't know everyone has different journeys, but there's different bits that we, we can all relate to. It's all similar, isn't it? And the, especially when, it, when there's so much trauma involved as well and that if you were not given the chance to deal with the trauma it will resurface it will yeah. come back so and then you, you do have the triggers what was it like for you when you first found out you was pregnant again 
Um, it was surreal as well. It was weird, but I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, you know, oh, what? Like, like is, that, is that a thing? And I remember just straight away being so OCD of what I was eating, being healthy. And then I started thinking, no, I'm going to have a miscarriage. And I'm, I'm looking for blood in the toilet constantly every time I wiped. Right up until she was born. Oh, really? So the paranoia was insane. Yeah. Um, how how far, how how many weeks was she when she was born? She came on on her exact due date. Oh, did she? Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless. Do you want to reassure her mum? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> did you need to get any support or any help while you was pregnant or did you did you do all this by yourself no so her dad was good I had really good friends his family as well and um, the perinatal mental health team um, at the hospital helped me quite a bit I was put on antidepressants when I was pregnant and I was a bit concerned because I'd heard, heard things and it was fluoxetine but that was the most safest thing to be on because the way I was carrying on and the way my mind was it'd be worse for me and having that stress and that declining mental health being pregnant rather than taking something for it and she's healthy she's fine she's absolutely brilliant so switched on so that's another thing when mothers get scared and worried I remember going to the pharmacy right boots to pick up the fluoxetine I'm heavily pregnant and the guy goes behind he shouldn't have even said it the pharmacist went are you sure you should be taking this when you're pregnant I literally just burst into tears Jared her dad went ape shit went skizzing <laughs> he, he made him come out and apologize to me in the car Oh, wow. because you can't be fucking around like that like no. he doesn't know my history or my story how are you gonna tell someone like what it's just mental but yeah I mean <laughs> as a pharmacist you can clearly see that you're vulnerable if you're if you need them in the first place yeah so exactly. you should have taken that consideration and it is I 100% understand what you're coming where you're coming from with that because ever since losing my son I mean I've been through trauma but nothing like that and now when I look at people I always think what's your story because you never yeah. know you, you just be walking Definitely. around the supermarket and you just Everyone never has, know yeah. do you what's going through the head at the time so I always just always say now it's it's nice to be nice you know yeah 100% because you never know do you do you mind me asking what um how your daughter died what was it that what happened so it was cardiomyopathy so she just had an irregular heart it wasn't developed properly and um, we had a post-mortem done and they said like it was mine and Tom's, something to do with our genetics together. It was so bizarre, like a one, one in something chance of it happening. And it mean mine and his DNA together just didn't work. It was so weird. And when we looked at the results, I was just like, the universe is saying something right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, for real, you know? Um, and that couldn't have been clearer to me. So in a weird way, what I what I do when I had to remind myself why she had passed was Marlon. She saved you from being with him. Mm. She said, "No, Mum, I don't want to be. I'm not ready to be here yet, and I don't want to be in what you're in. And but I'm gonna I'm gonna go so you don't so you can let go of him because honestly, he would have ended up killing me or something. That's uh, it's it's bizarre. I don't know if you feel the same, but when you go through such horrible tragedies tragedies like that, it makes you strip away everything and it's what is important is what remains and those people that Definitely. aren't bringing anything to you apart from negativity you you suddenly get the strength don't you just <laughs> yeah. to be like no see you later I don't Absolutely. know if it's I don't know I don't know if it's selfishness or if it's I don't know but it, it does something to you don't you think where you just 100 percent simple like, things that are important it's not even like life is too short because that's a cliche saying right but the life that you're living right now you want it to be a quality the, the best quality you can give yourself and your children 
And what does that mean? It means eliminating toxicity, eliminating things and people that are bad for you. Anyone that's taking away your good positive energy, just tell them to like, just delete them out. And it's hard sometimes, but as you said, when you go through trauma, you're suddenly left with these, this HD vision of what you want your life to be. And you don't want anyone to mess up or ruin it for you. Um, And that's what I did. I just literally just did what I could to just make my life better, you know? Well, well done, and well done you. <laughs> I mean, and you, and you, you, and you're helping other people as well, which is amazing as well. So, just it's just it's very inspiring. It really is. And I, I mean, obviously, I've I've tried to do a little bit of research. I tried to do a little bit of research when I speak to people, so I get a better understanding. But you've had a journey. It looks like. It looks like you've had, yeah, you've had a bit of a journey and you're still sat here smiling right now today. I know. Do you know what? I'm a bit weird. Like sometimes I just have to laugh it off because when I do think about my life, I'm like, fucking hell, mate, (laughs) you've had a bit of a shit card. But I mean, as you said, it makes you just see things differently. So things that I used to get like upset about, so minor. Like even on this call right now, like I'd I'd make sure my hair was all done, makeup is on, looking like, ooh, and got this mask on no this is me like what like you know I'm just gonna turn up as me now like and I don't care about what people think or judgment or or, you know and and it's it's such a good feeling you feel free you feel like liberated from everyone's like judgment it's just brilliant (laughs) yeah I I can I it's it's so it's so bizarre because I can relate so much with what you're saying right now I mean I've had I've had my fair fair bit of tragedy and trauma in my life in my life um and but the one thing I feel I'm very appreciative of, I mean, mine started when I was six. I lost my dad when I was six. And, but by losing somebody so young, you always, that, that, that hunger for life, I suppose, is always there. Like you're yeah. just always, you're so much more appreciative than other people, I think, because yeah. you, you, you know how precious yeah, it is. Definitely. So you know, I, I've i always lived like, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow, so I'm going to have a good time today, yeah. but try and plan for the future at the same time. 100%. So. But you know what the downfall is to losing your dad and losing a lot of people? You you lose the meaning of love and you, you get scared of losing anything else or you get scared to love or you attract the wrong types of people into your life, especially when it comes to partners. And because you want that love that you so deeply crave and that you've lost, you you think anything is acceptable and that is where I've always ended up having these terrible partners and it's because I didn't grow up with my dad it's because I didn't get shown he he died when I was one years old so I don't remember him so I didn't get shown how how he should treat a woman or a father figure in your life guiding you you know and my brother's best and they did a good job like but it's not the same so and I had to really work on that inner child healing from that and and um, knowing what is real and what is acceptable and and heal from it because otherwise I'll just be in this shitty cycle of abusive partners until I've realized my worth. And that is the, the the one downside, you know, well, there's plenty of downsides to losing someone you love, but you might, you might look at life differently, but you still kind of cling on to the hope of love. It's sad in a way. Yeah. yeah a, in a way it's like you're lacking. It's like Freud's theory, isn't it? That you learn your relationships through the relationship you have with your parents. And if you don't have that relationship, how do you learn that relationship? 100%. Yeah. I, again, I get it. I, str- I struggled uh, in an adult life or to ha- you know have that relationship with a man and that healthy relationship. Because what does it look like? You don't know what it looks like. No, exactly. Yeah. So you have to just find your own way, don't you? Yeah. It, it, yeah. it is hard. It, it is it is difficult. <laughs> but you get there. You, you kind of stumble along the way, don't you? And Yeah. 
navigate I have faith it. I think and I, I, I have listened to you and that's one thing I, I hear that you, you know you put things out into the universe and you know you have faith and that that's something that's very new to me like I've always been a spiritual person and I've you know I've believed in fate and things and I always believed that everything happens for a reason until I lost my son and then I struggled with that mm. <laughs> but I, I, I'm I'm very new to that so do you want to talk a bit more about that because I, I it's it, it's really intrigues me yeah I mean faith is all we have right so when you're putting your trust into something unknown it's a scary thing but that's what stops us from kind of believing in a, in a higher kind of power bigger than us that has this this magical plan for us whether you believe in God or, or whatever but I believe that God is just is here all of us you know we are God like God is inside of us and it's just the energy around us and once you let go of all your fears and you just put your trust into this world, into this universe, and you let go of that resistance, life just flows for you. And you understand why certain things unfold and why certain things happen and, and why things don't always go the way you plan, because it's been, you've had divert, you've been like, you've been diverted in a really divine way to save you from something else. So when things don't work out, or there's a car in the way, there's loads of traffic or I've missed something. Well, I got locked out of my house the other day, right? And I was like, yo, I'm going to be in London. And I was like, no, there's a reason that that's happened. Because what is the chance of me getting locked out? Like, that's never happened. And so you just let it go. Instead of holding on to this anger, resentment, these, like, really low vibrational kind of feelings and emotions, you just let it go. And it's very hard to do. Because as you said, when you've had so much crap happen to you, you go, well, what am I believing in? But there's there's this inner knowing of of trust like it's just hard to explain my head's always in the clouds anyway and when I meditate I I can kind of get to different levels in my head and and get premonitions it's really odd but and I dream really clear vivid lucid dreams you know and it's it's nice it, it, when, when you have faith and you trust in something better and bigger than yourself it's um it's very comforting and reassuring and I, I admire you because I I love yoga, but I really struggle to meditate. I, I cannot clear my head to meditate. There's just way too much stuff in there. So I admire anybody that can meditate. Get yourself a lavender eye pillow on Amazon, right? It's like a little bean bag. It smells of lavender. Put it over your eyes. Get your Spotify playlist up. Just type in peaceful meditation. That's literally what I do. Press play. Put your phone next to you. Close your eyes. Do it first thing when you wake up or first thing before you go to sleep. Close your eyes and just focus on your breath. It's all about your breath work. Cancel out everything around you and just focus on your breath through your nose, out your mouth slowly. And then you'll just be in a state. Trust okay. me. I'll try it. I try it. I get, I do, well, I do, obviously I do. I love my yoga. My yoga, yoga saved my life. It really did. Yeah. Like, so I can, I do that and I can, I kind of get into a, I feel like I'm in a semi-state when I'm doing the yoga. I can really, it really slows me down. Yeah. But that's why, because I'm listening to the instructions and I'm concentrating on what I'm doing. So I'm focusing <laughs> on that. But if someone says to me, just clear your mind, and I'm just then suddenly all these things just come into my mind. That's literally me. I have, I have ADHD as well. So it's freaking awful to like just sit and concentrate. I'm always fidgeting, but. <laughs> you do, you do, you do so well. And so I'm going back though to when you, so when you lost your daughter, was you given any support or anything no. like that? None. I remember having to register her birth and her death at the same fucking time um, in London. Um, and I just kept getting sent stuff from the hospital to do with her death. And no one got in touch apart from Sans Charity. Randomly reached out to me. On oh, Twitter. they reached out to you. That's mm. good. 
yeah. And they were like, we're here. And they, here's a number. Do you want to call it? I kept putting it off. I didn't want to call it. And then once I called it, that was it, you know. But yeah, not not from like, how do I say it? Not from the hospital or anything, no. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, I'm, I always ask that question because I'm always interested to see what support people get. I feel we're getting better at it, but I just feel like there's not, still not enough out there. No, definitely. And it's no. funny, when I got put on the antidepressants when I was pregnant with Zaya, the phone call with the doctor was like, basically a tick list. So she was like, have you tried to kill yourself in the past 10 days? How suicidal do you feel on a scale of one? And I went, yo, if you look at my history... Surely you'd understand why I'm why I'm needing this. Don't be asking me surface level questions, which you're generically doing for everybody. Understand my past a bit more. It's right in front of you, and you'd know. Like, and then if I answered, uh, must have been like six or something out of ten questions right. She'll be able to pre- like prescribe them to me. It's just mental, isn't it? Really, it is. Especially especially when you know what they're doing and you know yeah. what it, you know. It's it's really hard. I, was, I remember then. getting angry. I was like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, I mean, one of the things that I found really frustrating when I had my rainbow baby, that I had to explain my situation to every single professional that I met again. Like, no, I was like, read my notes. <laughs> Just read oh, the I notes. Don't. And um, when you're pregnant and they go, is this your first? And you're like, every yeah. time that's the one question, is it your first? And I'd be like... I'll just say yes. Sometimes I'd say yes because I couldn't be bothered to get into it. Yeah. And then, you know, when I was really feeling the type, I'd be like, no, my first one died. And then I'd wait, I'd just like wait for the reaction. Yeah, yeah. You know I've, done, I mean? that, I've like, done that before. <laughs> just like, you just, yeah, on them days when you're just like, I just have, I don't have the patience today. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. console you because that's what happens. I end up having yeah. to console you. It's my baby that died, but I've got to console you. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly, <laughs> just exactly. Gonna, just going to shock you right now. Yeah. <laughs> God. It is. It is difficult, isn't it? And it, I mean, I even still, I, my my rainbow is two now. He just turned two the other day. Uh, Terrible twos. Even, sorry. Terrible twos now. Oh, honestly. Oh, <laughs> he honestly, he is an absolute terror. His new thing at the minute is throwing things. So he throws everything. He got an electronic book for his birthday and he threw that. He brings the football in the house. He threw it that landed on top of the cooker the other day. Oh, if, you come, no, if you come to visit me, you spend half your day ducking. <laughs> That's what God. it's like. And he's crazy strong as well. So he <laughs> likes to break everything. Typical boy. Like, so, but yeah, I just, um, with him, it was... Um, I've, I've I've lost track now what I was saying because it was talking about him. Um, what was I saying? The the rain. Yeah, that was it. Even still now, because he's still still a toddler. If I'm out on the street now, people will still say to me, "Oh, is he your first? Or how many?" And then you have to then have that awkwardness of explaining to yeah. them. I've I've had four. I had you know I've had I had two girls. Then I lost my son, and then I, I've got Marley, my rainbow baby. So when I say to people I've had four, they're like, "Is he your first? I'm like, "No, he's my fourth. And they're like, "What? He's your fourth?" <laughs> I have to go through and explain the situation. But I mean, nowadays I don't mind so much because this is one of the reasons why I do the podcast because I'm fed up with that awkwardness of people feeling awkward. This is a thing. I think when it comes to boundaries and understanding that you don't have to please other people or answer to anything they say, it's a lot better. You, you know, when you feel like you've got to talk about things you don't want to talk or, or you want to talk about something, but no one's asking you the questions. It's good to just be direct and honest to people. You know, if you're not in the mood for it, say, nah, sorry, you know, and yeah. that's just putting in healthy boundaries. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely one thing that my son has taught me to do 100% is putting those boundaries. I was uh, very different. I found it very difficult to say no to people before. Yeah. Now I can do it a lot easier. I mean, I still I still struggle sometimes, but I'm getting much better at it. Yeah. I'm sure my friends and family would tell you. <laughs> there's just lots of, there's lots of um, different, I mean, because you've been, it's your, you, I lost my son in, in 2020. Um, you lost your daughter in 2018. Yeah. So yeah. it was a bigger gap for you, wasn't it, after um, losing your daughter and then falling pregnant again? Yeah, so what's that, like three years? Yeah, three years. Yeah, so mine was mine was a couple of months. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I um, I couldn't, well, at first I didn't think I'd ever be able to have any kids again, to be honest with you. But then after a couple of months, I just couldn't. I didn't know how I was going to cope if I didn't, to be honest with you, even though it was yeah. one of the most scariest things I've ever had to do. So I went into early labour with with him as well and then had to go and have a stitch put in with him. Luckily, he was OK. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was really hard. But I always wonder if I, if it, if the experience would have been the same if I'd have left it longer, because for me, it, it felt like I started grieving all over again. Like I, mm. I went straight back while I was pregnant and yeah. I, that's when I had to get help because I knew yeah. that I didn't I didn't want my child to 100%. to feel all that energy you know yeah definitely so it was really hard so it was was it any would you say it would have been easier for you or is it any different would you have been in a better place he was ready for it um, I think I needed it and I didn't expect it and she saved me because I was going through very like a lot of loneliness and and going out partying and being reckless and just being selfish and not having any responsibility and she changed my life completely like she's given me purpose but in terms of grief she brought out the grief of losing my first child definitely but there's no amount of time you could put that in 10 years and wait and get pregnant and you're still going to get those feelings because they're deep inside our bodies trauma holds on into our body right yeah so yeah it just happened everything is in the right timing for sure so yeah <laughs> oh good no I'm pleased because yeah you're right you're right it is that's one thing that I always say grief is a journey people always put try and put a timeline on grief and there is no there's no, no timeline it's a it's it's, a, it's something you, you tackle so I don't know if tackle is the right word but you live with don't you I always yeah. say it's your capacity as time goes on gets greater to live with it but the grief's still there it still remains the same yeah. definitely but um but no it's it's so it's it's so nice though to hear that you've gone through this but you've got positives now and you've you've made you've made positives by the sounds of things not that I mean it, it, with all this talk about believing in the universe and you know letting things flow it sounds like you you have made a lot of things happen yourself yeah definitely I think when you're in such a positive state of mind and you understand why things work out the way they do and you trust and you let go things you know life feels a lot better and all that darkness kind of like disappears and you just start to see the light again after all that crap. Yeah. So it's just waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's so true. It really is. And so anyone that is listening, it is I I'm well, I'm three years in my journey now. And it's gonna it's gonna sound bizarre for anyone that knows me, but this is probably the first time where I felt where I've actually felt, should I say, felt anything other than anger or sadness mm. and being able to smile and laugh again, but genuinely smile and laugh again. I love that. We, we we pretend, don't we, sometimes? Yes, 100%. Definitely. So yeah, Definitely. But thank you again. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. 
and um for taking the time i really really do thank you for inviting me on i'm so lucky she's still asleep i think i just heard something and i was like no she's still asleep it's brilliant it's it's the universe see they know she knows (laughs) honestly thank you and this podcast will help so many people even if that's a one person that's gone through child loss or miscarriage you know or any kind of trauma it's there's always there's always going to be your time and everything and that's what I had to believe in I had to have that faith like we both said so yeah yeah yeah, I guess it it is I mean this is this 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 is therapy for me this podcast I love doing it I'm I I keep saying it but I have a strange obsession with people in this community now now I'm I'm a part of this community I just I don't know I, I just feel so drawn to it and a bit like you, I'm now, I'm just putting my faith in the universe and I'm just yeah. going with it. I'm just going with the flow. I have no idea where it's going to take me. I mean, look how we met, you know, yeah. it was just through fate how we've met. So, you know, it's like, I genuinely felt that, that we were supposed to meet at that yeah, time definitely. as well. So <laughs> to be here today. And I just, yeah, I just, I do hope that it does help people and that it does, it's beneficial. And it's, and, and also for people's friends and family as well, anyone that's yeah. listening and how, how you support somebody going through that and you know it's it's there's no right or wrong answer is there and there's no right. rules for everybody we're all different we're all individuals but it's one of the things I always say is be patient be kind and be patient exactly definitely <laughs> so but thank you so much thank you for having me